Do you ever need to send money internationally? With new advancements in technology, it seems like the world is at our fingertips. Sending money abroad is no longer that difficult, expensive thing it used to be, especially when you use TransferWise. Why should you use TransferWise? Well, three syllables. Exchange rate. When you send money abroad with most providers, they usually don't give you the real exchange rate. They mark it up. Remember, if the rates pretend, you must not send. TransferWise is different. They use clever new technology so you always get the real rate when you convert currencies. It lets you send money quickly and seamlessly between 70 currencies. You pay only one small upfront fee and more of your money gets to the other side. That's why The Economist says TransferWise takes a machete to the hefty fees other services charge. But you don't need to take their word for it. More than 4 million people are already saving. Sign up at transferwise.com slash yoga to test it out for free or download the app. Transferwise even has a multi-currency account that lets you hold over 40 currencies and convert them whenever you like. Test it out for free at transferwise.com slash yoga or download the app. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. And I am back in Aruba. Yay! <laughs> I have a, a little bit of a bittersweet feeling just sitting in my belly right now. This kind of, I'm really, really happy to be home, but I'm already missing Costa Rica. It, it's not super common for me. Normally, when I travel and I come back home, I'm just stoked to be home and, you know, I kind of forget about the trip I had right away because I just love being home so much. And now coming home from Costa Rica, I have this little lingering feeling of just missing, missing friends and missing the space and the, the energy of that beautiful place. But I am really happy to be back. And today is Leah Luna's birthday. It's March 13th. I'm recording this. It's a Wednesday. This episode comes out on Friday. Today is her birthday. And we've just been having such a beautiful day. I cannot believe I have a daughter who's two years old. I mean, I can't believe it because, <laughs> I mean, it's real and I've been here for all of it. But time, I don't know. I feel like I've had her in my life forever, my whole life. Like, I cannot remember what life was like before Lea Luna. But it also feels like five minutes ago. It feels like I just gave birth, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't I don't I start to question more and more like how time works. I don't believe time is linear. <laughs> I feel like time is just kind of folded into itself and it's just all so subjective and and I can't believe I have a two year old. So right now I'm back to sitting on my bedroom floor. I'm looking out at the desert view outside that I have. I see the pool and we have our beautiful desert view with just cacti and bush and thorns and, and rocks and just super, super, it's so unbelievable that I get to live in this beautiful place. I just, I feel so much gratitude for coming home to this place of, of every place I've ever called home. This is the one that feels the most like me for sure. So and my mom is here right now, my two sisters, I have five sisters and two brothers wildly enough and I have <laughs> my sister as I say this she's waving at me making a funny face because she thinks it's funny that I'm recording this podcast um, I have five sisters and two brothers and uh, two of my siblings are super young and uh, the rest are kind of teenagers or early 20s so two of them are here right now Maya and Hadad with my mom to celebrate the baby's birthday and Dennis's dad has flown in from Amsterdam with his wife and this afternoon Dennis's mom and Dennis's brother and his sister are coming over so we have this kind of cozy little family celebration and 
I I kind of feel like these days, like the baby's birthday is more important than mine. <laughs> I don't know, but um, I I haven't we haven't spent a huge amount of time prepping, and you know, I just it's important for me that she has a has a good time. I think this is a birthday she might remember. I don't know how old are you when you you know when you start to have memories that you really can remember. I think isn't it around two or so? I'm not entirely sure. But she definitely is totally new to the concept of birthdays. The only birthday she knows is her great-grandmother had a birthday a couple of months ago. And for here in, in Aruba, in, in Papiamento, the, the name for grandma is Oma. And the gram, name for grandpa is Opa. So it's Dutch and, and, and Papiamento. And her great-grandmother, so Dennis's mom's mom, Dennis's grandma, so it's the baby's great-grandma. Her name is Agnes, but we call her, Dennis has called her Oma Nene his whole life because he couldn't say Agnes, so he said Nene instead. So Lunis calls her Oma Nene. And she had a birthday, and we went over there with balloons, and we had cake, and it was this big thing, so that every time anyone sings the happy birthday song, I mean, at her daycare or anywhere else, she sings it, happy birthday, Oma Nene, <laughs> because she just thinks that that's how the song goes, because that's the first birthday that she can remember, I think. So I've been trying to explain to her this week, like, you know, you have your birthday coming on Wednesday. And she says, oh, my nana's birthday. And I'm like, no, it's Leo Luna's birthday. We're going to sing the happy birthday song for you. And she starts singing the song like, happy birthday, oh, my nana. And I'm like, no, it's your birthday. <laughs> and I don't think she's quite like been able to understand what it means to have a birthday. And then last night I was tucking her in and we've been kind of prepping and, you know, we, we have these beautiful, like really fun Peppa Pig balloons. She adores Peppa Pig. So we're going to have a Peppa Pig themed birthday party on Friday. And my sister baked this really beautiful cake and we were kind of in the preparations for everything. And I tucked her in and I was like, this is your last, you know, your last night before you're two years old. Tomorrow is your birthday and we're going to get presents or I'm, I'm going to, you're going to get presents and we're going to have cake. And then she looked at me and all of a sudden her eyes went like really big. And she said, presents? And I said, yeah, you're going to get birthday presents. And then she said, Santa's coming <laughs> and I was like oh my god the only like relation she has <laughs> the only context she has to presents or gifts is Christmas <laughs> so Santa Claus and she's really scared of Santa <laughs> so so it became this kind of negative thing like oh, Santa's coming oh no <laughs> I was like no no you know birthdays are a thing too so this morning we kind of it was really nice to have the whole family gathered and we got to you know we, in Sweden every, I mean, everybody does this so differently Dennis I don't know if it's his memory or what's up with him but like he cannot remember whatever birthday traditions they have or had in his family in Sweden at least how I grew up it's like the whole family kind of gathers in the kitchen and you, you prepare the cake and maybe breakfast in bed and you know some a couple of gifts for the morning maybe balloons whatever candles for sure and then the whole family kind of starts singing the happy birthday song on the way into the bedroom and then you wake the person up with cake in the morning and breakfast in bed and you know gifts and like the whole thing is like the singing to you know to wake somebody up and I know in a bunch of I, like I thought this was just super common and everybody does this everywhere but here they don't really do it that way so Dennis was kind of weirded out by this idea in the beginning like why why would you want to barge in on someone when they're sleeping <laughs> like if it's their birthday wouldn't you at least let them sleep in and I'm like no it's like the best part of your birthday is like hearing everybody coming from outside singing the song it's like the anticipation of like oh my god they're coming you know it's like a big thing so of course I'm like you know we're continuing this tradition toward Lea Luna and I don't know if she liked it this morning I felt like she was totally overwhelmed we literally all I mean there's like 
six of us, no, seven of us, and we all just kind of barged into her room with like the Peppa Pig, like already one single small Peppa Pig balloon, she would have like had her mind blown. You know, one thing would have made her morning. And we had like a bunch of balloons and we had this humongous pink cake and all these gifts. And, you know, the whole table was set with pancakes. And then Dennis's dad came and like, you know, it was this whole thing. And that, and after like 30 minutes, she started getting really agitated, like really, I don't know, you know how they say the terrible twos. It was like she turned two and now everything was terrible. <laughs> I don't know, 30 minutes into the morning, she was just kind of like not super happy about anything, like didn't want to eat the cake, didn't want to open any more gift, just wanted to sit on my lap. And I just realized, okay, like this was, this was a bit much, <laughs> a bit much for her. So we actually ended up scrapping the the day plan we had for the day. We were going to go see, there's a little animal sanctuary close by where we live. We were going to go see the animals and then go to the beach. And then instead we actually brought her to daycare because she asked to go to doggies. She asked to go to daycare. So we brought her there so she could have like a normal day. And we went to the beach instead. <laughs> I was like, is this shitty parenting like we left the baby at daycare on her birthday so we could go have a quiet morning at the beach (laughs) but it just felt like she needed to like get out of the house and like be have some structure and like play with some other kids for a moment and and yeah that's kind of been our, our birthday day so far and she's napping right now and I'm sitting here talking to you so uh <laughs> I don't know birthdays are so much fun I know a bunch of people out there don't love birthdays I've always loved celebrating my birthday and I love the idea of these tra- traditions that you kind of you keep from 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 your own family and then who knows where they began or how far back this tradition has been kind of kept I love the idea of passing those things on and for them to to continue you know and maybe Luna will have kids of her own one day and then she'll do birthdays the same way we do I mean it's just like a really nice thought I think but um yeah here we are if you um, listened into the episode of last week it was a really hard episode for me to record actually not really that was a lie It wasn't a hard episode for me to record. None none of these episodes really are hard for me to record. It was a hard week for me to to sit with. It was a hard week for me to to experience. On Sunday was the five-year anniversary of my best friend's passing. So the hard thing, you know, is, is sitting with that and allowing myself to feel those feelings and letting myself be vulnerable and, and remember and reminisce and be nostalgic and just, you know, open up that space for some pain to be felt. That's really hard. And then I share that in the podcast, which actually isn't hard at all <laughs> for me. We have a we have a lot of listeners. We're, we're getting close to 800,000 a month now, which is super, super, super fun. I know at some point this year, we're going to cross the 1 million mark a month, which is really fun. And I think, you know, in, in a sense, kind of this podcast is growing in terms of listeners and in terms of engagement and activity and how many people are just really here on this ride with me tuning in every single week. I feel like it's it's bigger than anything I ever really did on Instagram which is really nice, really, really nice, actually. I feel like this is much more intimate, much more genuine, um, more heartfelt. It e- it's easier to kind of weed through the bullshit. You know, I love the format of a podcast and I love being, being able to sit here and speak from the heart every single week. But, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this show and I, I, don't, I don't think about that <laughs> at all. So I had some really kind of intense response from last week's podcast because here I was kind of sitting with the microphone crying sharing something really deep about this loss that I 
that I've moved through or that I'm still moving through. And so I was like, oh, I can't believe you. You're so vulnerable and you open your heart that deeply for us all. And, you know, isn't it really hard to do that? And it's just, I don't think about it that way. You know, I, I actually, I'm starting to think about it the other way around. So I, th I think the more time we spend in that space, right, the more time we spend allowing ourselves to be vulnerable in front of other people, whether that's our friends, our family, strangers, you know, people on the internet, whatever, you know, it's kind of like a practice similar to, to sitting with our emotions, kind of allowing those emotions to be shown to the world. It's also a practice. And the more we do it, the easier it becomes. And I think the more we do it, the harder it becomes to fake it all of a sudden. You know, I find I find I have a really hard time or I have very low tolerance for crowds of people that I feel aren't genuine. Or maybe let me rephrase that crowds where I feel like I can't be genuine. Maybe that's 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 that there's more truth in that. So if we're ever somewhere, I don't know, any type of gathering and I feel like yeah, maybe it's just it's a little bit surface and I mean we always we're always going to have that. It's not every gathering we have is not always going to be full of heart and truth and and mind-blowing heart-shattering opening conversations. You know, we're always going to have those kind of day-to-day -day more shallow moments too. But whenever I find myself in one of those gatherings where I just feel like, "Oh, you know, it's it's not really it's a genuine space in terms of people not looking each other in the eye properly or you know maybe there's no physical contact or people are just speaking over each other or there's a lot of alcohol or there's you know something in the way kind of so that connection is really hard to make and of course there's people out there who are just absolutely not interested in those types of connections either people who live this fairly on a different level of consciousness I guess I would just think and I have just super low tolerance for that these days I find myself literally just walking away <laughs> if I feel like like it's not a genuine space or if I feel like there's no there's no vulnerability there so for me you know the idea of sitting down recording this podcast and with a happy face and like yeah yeah yeah, you know that this is all the cool stuff that's happening in my life because I also have that and I could share that story but it's not going to be true for that moment but pretending that everything is great all the time or pretending that I have everything together and everything is easy and look at my perfect life, you know, it's just, it's just impossible. <laughs> it would be really, really hard to do that. It's easier to show a level of vulnerability that, that's really real because it's, it's what's true. It requires, you know, it's actually very, it, it gives me energy to speak the truth. Even if the truth is really hard or even if the truth is really ugly or even if it's full of pain, you know, it's, it's actually, It, it provides me something because it's me speaking a truth that I think is vibrated back at me through this response that I get of other people feeling their own truth by listening to those words, right? So no, so the answer to that question is, isn't it hard to be this vulnerable all the time? No, it's really easy. And I, I really, I hope I can continue practicing it every single day. Now, here's the thing. It's harder to be vulnerable with the people who really, really matter, And this is fascinating, I find. So for instance, when I, when I lead retreats or trainings or the, the practices that we do in Path of Love, for instance, I've spoken about a lot, the practices that we're going to do in our two retreats coming up this month and next month, all about <laughs> opening our hearts, exposing some of this pain or some of this darkness. We always start by doing that with strangers. It's way easier to do with someone who doesn't know you. 
And it's kind of it's kind of interesting, I find. I find it's this, you know, why wouldn't it be easier to do with the people that we already know or the people that we already love so much or the people that have maybe been with us our whole lives? Like, you know, they know us inside and out. We should be able to have these conversations with them easily. Actually, it's it's harder because we impose this idea onto them of who we are or we think we've imposed this idea onto them of, of who we are we see this reflection in them back at us of ah I'm this and that type of person so for instance like with my in my family I'm I'm Rachel and I'm I'm, I'm really kind of strong and I, I I'm not very soft I don't think in my family I show up often as very soft I'm kind of controlling I want things my way and I'm always the one taking the lead and you know and I'm always also the one to if someone falls I'm there to catch them or if someone needs help they can call me if someone needs a mountain move like I'll do that um, always 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 there for them always but I also am this kind of you know structured person who wants things organized and and my sisters and my mom are always making fun of me at the house because like when the baby sleeps I'm like okay everybody shut up <laughs> like everybody's in my house it's all chill and cool but seriously when the baby naps that's important for me that she naps and has great naps because it makes my life easier and she's happier so just shut the fuck up <laughs> but I'll get really assertive and kind of annoying about that so if they're like getting loud in the house I'll kind of snap and be like hey go outside like you know baby's sleeping and I can kind of show up that way I think pretty sharp about things you know things that I feel are important to me and how I want them I'm um, like yesterday we were prepping for the baby's birthday and I mean I just came home from this trip every time I come home from a trip it's always means this big clean out for me I always do this big massive overhaul of the house I feel like things are really messy all the time or you know not organized or I need to clean things out or whatever so I always do that and we, we get into the house and Dennis looks at me. He's like, hey, can you wait one day before you like turn the house upside down and like complain that everything is messy? <laughs> and I'm like, nope, I got to start right now. But so we're prepping yesterday and then I just see like, oh, it's not just like stuff everywhere, but it's like my sister's stuff and my other sister's stuff and my mom's stuff. And they're all like littering these trails of things all over the house and I like my surfaces clean. I mean, like, you know, we have a kitchen island. There shouldn't be it shouldn't be covered in shit. It should be clean and empty so that if someone wants to cook or cut up fruit or whatever, make tea, like there's space to do that. But it was just like covered and stuff. Same with the dining table. I'm like, if you have to be every time before you set the table, take 15 minutes to clean the dining table of stuff, like something's wrong. Like, come on. So I start like telling everybody, I'm like, hey, can you pick up that? Hey, can you bring that up? Hey, can you bring that to your room? Hey, da, 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 da. And they start making fun of me like, oh my God. You know, my sister like put a glass down. She's like, can I put the glass here? Is that allowed? <laughs> like, Jesus. Like, yes. Can you just like keep track of your stuff? Like, this is not a humongous house. There's a lot of people and a lot of stuff everywhere. But anyway, back to the point. So because they know me my whole life. I mean, I have 30 years of living with my mom. She has this very specific idea of who I am. I have 21 years being with my sister, 17 with the other sister, because they have this ingrained idea of who I am. And most importantly, because I feel like I can see that reflection of me in them. Like this is the version of Rachel that I always show up as to, to my sisters, which is a different version than who I show up as for my, for my mom, for instance. Whenever we're in or a really deep moment of sharing and another version of me might come out maybe a version that I don't show very often and maybe that version of me is really insecure for instance like my, the insecure side of me is a side I never show 
I mean, almost ever. Like I always come off as overconfident. I know everything. I have everything put together. But there's also a side of me that's super insecure and sometimes gets really indecisive. And I don't know if I'm doing the wrong thing. And, you know, and I get insecure about my body and my decisions and my business. And, you know, I and it's it's not this side of me that I lead with. So I don't show it to everyone. Dennis knows that side really well. But I don't think my family does. For instance, another side of me that I don't show a lot is that soft, vulnerable side where I'm just, you know, where I can let myself get really sad if I'm sad and really cry. I mean, I rarely, rarely do that with my family. And it's because, of course, of all, you know, the history that I have that we all have with our families, the history that I have with my personal family is that I have been this rock of a person, right? I'm like the mother of mothers taking care of everybody. I've, I've put given myself this role of being the fixer and the fixer doesn't have time to be sad and vulnerable. The fixer, fixer fixes things, right? The fixer is who the sad and vulnerable people come to for things to be fixed. <laughs> so I didn't, never had anyone in my family who I leaned on. You know, I was always the person kind of holding everybody leaning. Dennis, for instance, is a person for me who I lean on, who I let myself be really vulnerable with and sad with and all of that stuff when it comes up. But I never had that in my family. I didn't have it with my mom, didn't have it with my dad or any of my siblings. So for me to drop into that version of myself in front of them is really, really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And it's really hard to it's really hard to to explain even how how hard that is because I can do it in front of almost a million people on this podcast. <laughs> every single week, you know, no problem at all. They can listen to the podcast, no problem at all. But whenever we do any type of vulnerable sharing that kind of opens up the space for us to tap into a version of ourselves that we don't often express or that we don't always allow ourselves to be or sit with, it's a really beautiful thing. You know, it's an opportunity that we really should grasp because it's just it's just rare for us and it's a practice that we need. I don't need to practice being loud. <laughs> I'm really loud. I need to practice being quiet, <laughs> you know? I don't need to practice being controlling. I'm a really controlling person. I need to practice letting go and going with the flow. So whenever one of those opportunities arises for us to sit with that side of, because we all have this these multifaceted sides of ourselves, we need to grasp it and take it and then allow ourselves to really sit with that. And when the person in front of us that we're sharing with is this totally neutral stranger, like this stranger doesn't know anything about you at all. They have no preconceived idea of who you are. They don't know your backstory. You don't have to explain anything or defend anything or, you know, yeah, do any of the buts or any of that. You can just kind of, whatever's on your heart, you can share that totally transparently and authentically without any reservations whatsoever. And it's a hard thing to do with family and with people that we know. But of course, if or when we get to the level of being able to really do that with our family, which is a hard thing to do, which requires a lot of practice. And of course, whenever we start to bring up these sensitive things, maybe they they are they involve family members or people that are from our families already. It requires this whole other piece of it, which means <laughs> which involves not getting triggered by whatever comes back your way in a sharing like that. And if we're able to do that, our relationships can totally change. I mean, 100,000% can totally, 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 totally change. Imagine being able to tap into that level of just absolute truth and vulnerability and this open space for love with people who you already love, with people who you've already spent your whole life with. I mean, it can change and transform a whole relationship, but it's super, 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 super hard. And I'm trying to practice that. (laughs) 
now. I'm trying to practice it now. I'm trying to practice it all the time. And part of it now is, you know, doing it in the podcast is this practice, but it's really, it's really easy for me to sit and say these things. The people that we have in our families, they are kind of like little mirrors for us, for all the things that are really challenging or all the things that we don't like about ourselves. And family members tend to push those trigger points all the time. So for anyone who maybe has a hard time with maybe close friends or family or family members, all of those little moments of like, ugh, you know, they're little triggers for something that you can look at that maybe you're able to change. Maybe the universe is telling you like, hey, here's a pattern that you have. And it's really triggering for you when your brother or whatever does so-and-so. And then you always get into a fight or you always say something snappy to him in that moment. You know, but what if instead of doing that, we just caught that moment of, ha, huh, okay, I'm triggered by this. Hmm. Can I hold space for this genuine conversation to arise around that? Or can I at the very least choose to maybe not snap at him when that comes up or not create a drama from that or not let myself get super hurt and create this whole situation out of it, but just kind of sit with like, ah, oh, a trigger. Interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Of course, this is easy to do when we talk about it. It's hard to do in the, in the actual moment when we're sitting with that right here, right now. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Getting life insurance can feel like assembling the world's worst jigsaw puzzle. It's confusing, it takes forever, and when you're finally done, it doesn't even look cool. But if you have a mortgage, kids, or anyone who depends on your income, it's a puzzle you need to solve. My baby girl turned two this week, and I can't believe how quickly time flies. It makes me feel super pressured to have everything figured out. Luckily, Policy Genius can help me and you get everything sorted and leave you with nothing but peace of mind. Whether you're an insurance expert or a newbie like me, Policy Genius created a website that makes it easy for you to compare quotes, get advice, and get covered. Policy Genius truly is the easy way to get life insurance. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find the coverage you need at a price you can afford. From there, you can apply online, and the advisors at Policy Genius will handle all the red tape. They'll even negotiate your rate with the insurance company. It's all part of their best price guarantee. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. Whether you're shopping for disability insurance to protect your income, homeowner's insurance, or auto insurance, they can help you get covered fast. So if you find life insurance puzzling, head to policygenius.com. In two minutes, you can compare quotes, find the right policy, and save up to 40% doing it. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host, Chris Gillabo, also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts. I'm like trying to <laughs> circle my way back to how I kind of began this podcast. But no, to answer that question of, of whether this is, is hard. No, it's not hard. It is hard for me to practice it with family. And luckily, I have the opportunity to do that all the time. <sighs> so something that I, I just did. I mean, I was I was in San Jose in, in Costa Rica in the capital over the weekend for the burial of my best friend, which is super strange. She died five years ago. <sighs> just saying that, like her you know, her, it wasn't really a 
full-on proper funeral, but it was a burial. Her ashes have been sitting on her mom's nightstand for the past five years. And of course, I mean, I cannot, uh, for me to put myself in her mom's shoes, it's just absolutely incomprehensible, not possible for me to do. But it's been, of course, a really, really, really challenging process for the family to move through. And then all of a sudden now, five years later, her mom decides it's time to let go or it's time to to put her ashes in the ground. And for the first ceremony, the first the cremation, the first ceremony right after she died, I was in the hospital, so I couldn't be there. And I realized just how I was lacking this piece of closure somehow. I, I don't know. It's really hard. It's really hard to explain because it's not like I've been walking around with this unbearable wound that I've been thinking about all the time. Like, oh, I missed that ceremony. And like that was, it never occurred to me that that would have been an important thing. I just, I couldn't be there. So I wasn't there. There's nothing I could do about that. I didn't contemplate it so much. It was in this really traumatic, you know, time of my life. But now getting to have that opportunity just to spend so much time with her family and then be in that ceremony of, 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 of properly saying goodbye. Uh, I never did it. I never got to properly, like 100%. I mean, a thousand times I would sit down and try to talk to her or sit in silence. And I have an altar at, at home that I sit by all the time. But just this idea of this idea of some form of closure or some sort of, I understand, I mean, it makes so much sense why we have funerals, why we have burials, why we do ceremony when someone dies. It's super important. It's a really important thing to do. And I don't think it matters so much of, of exactly how we do it, what it entails, what religion we're from, you know, we, we practice or, or whatever. It's just that act of people getting together and then having that practice or that ceremony just for, for something to close, right? It's like, it's almost, yeah. And I, and I didn't understand the fact that I actually missed it. I didn't know I was missing anything. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know I was missing anything at all. But I was. I absolutely, totally was. I can uh, sit here now and kind of talk about it pretty calmly, which is which is interesting. I was dreading the trip. I was dreading going to San Jose. I was super freaked out. I was really, I was really nervous. I was really. I didn't know what was. I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know what I would feel at all. And it was kind of like I I got there and then I said goodbye to Dennis and the baby and they flew home. And it was like this space opened up because I'm always, whenever I'm in San Jose, I'm always in a rush where I'm spending just one day there on my way somewhere else. And I say hi to her mom and her sister and her cousins and her friends. And But it's always really brief, right? It's like one evening or one afternoon. And now I had four days in San Jose to just without rush or pressure or stress of any kind to just be with them. And it was... It was so healing. It's 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 one of the most healing things I've I've ever done. And it didn't involve so much, you know, this I don't know, something grand or this big thing happening. It was just the day to day of of talking to each other, you know, of of, of sharing stories about her, of, of missing her out loud, of I feel like every time someone else tells me a story about her, you know, from their view or something they did together, it's like she comes to life for me in a way and I know her mom feels the same way her mom loves to hear stories from 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 our time together and our years together and things that she taught me and experiences we've had that she's never heard of or funny things we used to do or laugh at I mean she loves 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 to hear those things so it's just it's healing to speak of them and it's healing to listen to them too and it's just kind of it comes back to this this practice of sharing, this practice of being vulnerable that I just was was talking about. Because 
in grief and in pain and, and after trauma and after, you know, in all of those most horrible moments in life that, that inevitably will come our way um, if they haven't already, it rips all those layers of all those walls of this protection that we put up, you know, all those kind of masks of everything is great and I'm so strong and this is who I am and life is perfect. And, you know, those, those walls, they are, they're just ripped apart. There's just no other way. They're just totally torn down all the way, hundred percent. And it rips open this part of our soul that we normally don't share with the world in that sense. So all of a sudden, you know, of course, in grief and in pain and in death, we all cry really openly and together. We hold each other. We touch each other. We we get to the core of it because just because we have no other option, right? The pain from this love that we've lost, it's, it's so intense that it brings us immediately into that place. And, and there is something so fucking beautiful about that. It's it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Of course, it's horrible. I mean, it's 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 the worst time of anyone's life. It's absolutely horrible, but it's also so beautiful. And I'm I was wondering this weekend. I was like, is this the is this the practice? <laughs> you know, when we lose someone, because because if you've ever lost someone, you know, we spend a lot of time pondering the why and what's the point and what's the purpose and it's just you know for the longest time I was just the way I would look at it was just all the things Andrea didn't get to do all the things that she missed right like she wanted to have a baby before I wanted to have a baby and she never got to have a baby and she was supposed to have a baby with her boyfriend and was so excited about that and we spoke about that so much the week before she died of like ah she felt so ready she was only 24 and she felt so ready and she never got to do that and she never got to you know stand up there by the altar at my wedding and and hold my hand and watch me and Dennis get married which she was supposed to do she never got to do that and she never got to finish university and she never got to you know live the rest of her life I would look at it that way all the things she was supposed to do that she didn't get to do it felt like this like like a robbery somehow like like life robbed her of all of those things like she was like I would look at her life as this what in my idea of complete like she, she'll live till she's 95 and will like <laughs> you know be old ladies holding hands somewhere laughing about our great 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 grandkids together still cracking jokes like that was the idea of, of 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 our life like she would live until I died like we would live long 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 lives together and then it didn't happen that way but she died at 24 so everything from 24 on to me was like lost things that should have happened and that's the thing about should, right? Should. It's just this really complicated, dangerous concept. When we start getting sucked into that that thought of should, all the things that should have been, the truth of the matter is it, they weren't. They, you know, it, it wasn't. It didn't happen that way. Life wanted it differently. And what if she wasn't supposed to be 90-something, but she was supposed to be 24? What if that was her life? What if all her life, maybe not at a mind level or this level of... of this level of of day-to-day consciousness she knew but what if her soul in her soul she knew she knew it was 24 and that was that you know so so nothing is lost you know she wasn't supposed to have babies she wasn't supposed to be at my wedding she wasn't supposed to grow super old she was supposed to be 92 she was supposed to be 24 and that was the time she was supposed to have and how can we know if that's true well because it is what is right it's what what was that's reality it's what's what came our way so that 
idea of should, it it pained me for a really long time because I was looking at life and I was looking at loss that way. Of course, because we had so much, we had so many plans and there was so much anticipation and joy and, you know, excitement for the future there. And at the same time, there was a lot of really weird things that happened, you know, right before she died that kind of made me, so many times I told Dennis, I was like, man, it was almost like she knew, you know. And again, not on that mind level of like, she knew she was going to die, but like, she knew, I don't know, like, she's the messiest person I ever knew. Before she died, she had this kind of weird idea to like, all of a sudden, totally clean and organize her entire life, everything, including like her mom's garage. All her stuff was neatly packed away, put in perfectly labeled boxes. I mean, her closet was like, <laughs> it was like, I mean, I've, I've never seen it like that. Everything neatly folded. She threw so many things away, gave so many things away. Her, every, her whole life was like perfectly neatly organized. It was like she was preparing to say goodbye. I mean, really unreal. Every single person who had a a deep conversation with her before she died had this feeling of just wow even you know it was like looking back at it I can't believe that was our last conversation that that was that was what she left me with you know it's almost like she was leaving with these huge words of wisdom of like for the rest of your life like remember this you know this is my gift for you so so many of us had that feeling like what if and you know what if her soul knew that it was her time that 24 that was the year and and it sucks right? The way all fucking death, it sucks. It's horrible. It's, it's bullshit. It's absolute. (sighs) Yeah, there's no other, no other way to, to explain it. And I, and I used to hate, you know, like, oh, but you know, if it was her time, it was her time and time heals all, all wounds and, you know, and just get on with it and move on and all the cliche things people tell you when someone dies, you know, it's just all of it sucks. But it's also people don't know what to say. You know, it's really hard for people who aren't in that situation to to say anything at all because all of a sudden you have had your whole entire heart and chest ripped open and you're walking through life with this unbelievable vulnerability of feeling everything so intensely and deciding that only the really important things matter and you start to cut through the bullshit and you start to, you know, say weird things in the middle of dinner and you start to just kind of, you have suddenly no time anymore for any bullshit, like no time to waste. And for someone who hasn't moved through loss or trauma like that, it's it's really uncomfortable. You know, it's really, really, really hard. And that's why I think we have so many uncomfortable or awkward moments, you know, with people who haven't been through loss, who don't know what to say, or they pat you on the back, or they don't say anything. They just kind of gloss over it. And they try to make a joke and try to, you know, in their way, try to make you feel better somehow. But in the end, it's just like, fuck, this isn't real. You know, I remember what, what I wanted, I mean, in, in those worst moments, was just for someone to ask me, do I need something? Like, how can I help you? And for most of the time, it was like, no, you can just sit here with me. Or you can sit here with me and listen while I talk about her. You know, for a while, that felt really good just to to share stories and to just talk. Or, hey, I don't want to talk at all. You know, if someone would ask me that, you know, what do you need? Like, how can I, how can I, how can I help you right now? Or how can I be of service for you right now? Actually, that's, I don't want to do, I don't want to do any of this. Like, hey, let's, let's talk about something totally different. Let's pretend for like a day that this, this hasn't happened. And I needed those days too. So, I mean, I guess a little piece of advice for anyone who's close to someone, maybe who is moving through loss is instead of imposing your idea of like, oh, I get, I bet they'll need this, right? I bet they need to talk about it a lot, or I bet they need to talk about something else, or I bet they need 
you know, whatever, instead of imposing that idea of what you think they need, just ask, you know, I th at least that's for me, it was really nice when someone, someone did that because I got to think about it and be like, Hey, I, I would love a glass of water <laughs> right now. Maybe that was the most important thing or whatever, whatever was in that moment, instead of having this feeling of sometimes I had this feeling like I had to put on a fake smile. I had a couple of, you know, and it's super hard and I, it's, you know, I don't blame anybody or never felt any like weirdness with anybody because everyone is doing their best. But I definitely had moments after that where I like found myself at a dinner with like really close friends. I mean, other friends who didn't knew her and I just hated it, <laughs> you know, just totally hated it. And of course, everyone is like talking about regular things because after a while you have to talk about regular things. You can't just sit there speaking about the dead all the time, you know, but everyone was kind of going about and I just had this moment of wanting to like throw my glass at the wall and just scream like what the fuck like how can you guys sit here and pretend like it's a regular day it's not a regular day like there will never be another regular day ever again and I don't want to sit here faking it putting on a smile like everything's okay like I wanted to sit here and scream or cry and you know and I have those friends that that were able to hold space for that but I had a lot of friends who didn't you know I had a lot of friends who were just the idea of, of death or loss or that kind of pain it pained them too much to think about that you know so they had to they had to put on that smile because they didn't know what else to do and it's not like it makes them a lesser person or a lesser friend or anything like that it's just that's what they were equipped to do you are listening to from the heart conversations with yoga girl Spring is coming, and even though Aruba doesn't have seasons, I love getting in the mood for change. The FabFitFun Spring Box is on sale right now. You can get yourself ready for spring, too, with an amazing care package full of beautiful things. Let me give you a few spoilers, like the Manakadar Champagne Body Scrub and the Uai Leave-In Conditioner to wash away the winter. The Sunny Life Lovers Picnic Set in Malibu for spring picnics with your loved ones, something Dennis and I have to do with Luna, and some Gyatse Copper-Plated Measuring Spoons for all your spring baking needs my favorite activity of them all. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year. It's like Christmas, but during every season. With each box, you get to discover new products, including rave review must-haves that you will absolutely love. Every box you receive will contain amazing surprises of full-size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products. There will never be sample sizes of anything. Try it out. It's only $49.99 a box, and every box is guaranteed to be worth over $200 in retail value. The 2019 Spring Box is on sale now, with a retail value of $350. Many products' individual value is worth more than the entire box. The best part of all, FabFitFun allows you to choice to pick and choose certain items in the box. You can make it match exactly what you're looking for. No matter where you live, this box will have you prepped for all the necessities for spring to rejuvenate and feel amazing after winter. Sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. So go to fabfitfun.com to sign up and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use the promo code RACHEL to get $10 off of your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. Go to FabFitFun and use my code RACHEL to get $10 off on your first FabFitFun box. But I was thinking now when I was in San Jose, I was like, this practice, <laughs> because all weekend long was, was this practice. All weekend long was wherever I found myself, if I was like at a bar with her cousin or, you know, at dinner with her mom or like... I, taking a nap with her sister or walking the dogs like with her other cousin or like we did so many just regular things went shopping like we did all this stuff and then to in the middle of any regular moment like you know hey oh, do you like this do you like this dress on me and then be like oh 
oh my God, that dress reminds me so much of this dress Andre used to have. And then do you remember that? And then all of a sudden I'm crying, <laughs> you know, like so easy. It's like, oh my God, I love this dress. And then, oh my God. And then I'm just crying in the middle of this store with people all around. And it's not weird. <laughs> it's not even a little bit weird. Like it's not weird at all. It's it's just totally natural and totally normal because I just triggered a memory that triggered the sadness from this person that I miss. Kind of like how talking about that right now makes me cry. <laughs> so that practice, you know, of dropping into total radical vulnerability all the time, middle of dinner, like having breakfast with her, one of her oldest friends and her cousin, and we're just talking about so many fun things and the baby and a new boyfriend and all this stuff happening in everybody's lives. And then the next second, we're just sitting there crying, you know. And it's this totally liberating thing. And I've realized it's only possible to really create those situations with with people who have been through it too. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that they've been through the same situation, right? Like they know the same person you lost, you have that connection. But I find that anyone who has been through loss is really good at managing other people's loss too. So, and, and it doesn't really matter what kind, you know, because once you've been there, once you've navigated that black dark sea you know right you're forever gonna have your heart just a little bit like closer to your throat I don't know how to explain it it's like it's gonna be easier for you to just speak and tap into that it's gonna be harder for you to sit with bullshit and that's the thing about loss and about grief the more of it we have the more genuine human beings we become we kind of have these two we kind of have these two options. I mean, grief can definitely close us off. It can make us really rigid and really, really tightly wound, you know, almost like the feeling of if I start to release some of this pain, oh my God, the floodgates are going to open and I'm not going to manage. I'm going to drown in my own in my own grief. And that's okay. You know, we'll go through that in the beginning. And for some people, you know, we go through that for years and years and years and years. Some people have a lifetime of that. I mean, I think my mom had like 15 years since her fiance died where she didn't process. I mean, easily 15 years of, of not talking about him, not crying about him, not going into that trauma or going into that wound because it was still too raw to touch or she still didn't have a support system around her where, where it was safe enough to go into that. And then all of a sudden it was, and then she started processing, you know. So for some of us, it takes a long time, like, and it's, nothing is better than the other, you know. But once you have, you are forever going to be a person who feels a lot. You're forever going to be a person who is just intensely, intensely aware of the fact that life is really short and don't fucking waste it. You know, you're not going to want to stand at that barbecue talking shit with some neighbor about something that you don't care about. You know, you're going to want to sit in conversation with people who know, with people who have something genuine to share, with people who are able to tap into that same place that you can. So it's conversations who lift you up or who that inspire you or build something or create something that gives you energy instead of drains you. You know, the more... The more shit you go through, the less time you have for bullshit. And I think the easier it's going to be for you to build a really, really, really beautiful life. And that practice of just doing that all the time, like being vulnerable, talking in this podcast, <laughs> when I something comes my way, taking a moment to sit with that with my family, with, instead of dropping into this old pattern that I have of the idea of who they think I should be, you know, 
talking about grief with people, having this practice of this weekend of just all the time dropping into this space of vulnerability. I think this is the, it's the most life-changing thing. It is the most life-changing thing. And it's, it's totally, it's totally transformative. I, I don't know how, how else to put it, but it makes everything really beautiful. It makes all of life really beautiful. And it, it makes, it makes everything more urgent, more, it drops us into the present moment in a way that, that for me, normally I have to kind of go into meditation or I have to roll out my yoga mat or I have to go to a retreat or a course or I have to like go see a teacher. Like I have to do something, you know, to kind of cultivate that practice of just intensely working to make my way to the present moment and then all of a sudden it's kind of like the universe is like oh here's a gift <laughs> and of course the gift it's it's wrapped in this unbelievable horror of of some sort of loss or trauma or whatever if I could change it would I change it yeah <laughs> if I could have five minutes for her would I trade almost everything in my whole life yeah you know, clearly. And then that, that idea of like, oh, there's purpose and everything, you know, and even death is purposeful and everything happens for a reason. I mean, I call bullshit on that so hard. You don't tell someone who just went through loss that everything happens for a reason. Like, fuck you. <laughs> who says that to someone? But with time, you can make your way to that conclusion yourself, right? Not that everything happens for a reason. Like, oh, it was so purposeful that she died. Like, it was like, great that that happened no but in all of that pain and all of that sadness and all of that loss there'll be like little sprinkles of gratitude suddenly start to pop up like little sprinkles of gratitude of like ah you know because now because that because that happened now I became this type of person right because that happened I now live in this different way because that happened I now have these and these and these people in my life because that happened my perspective is you know things happen that at the end of it all you'll be able to find some gold in that and it doesn't mean that the whole loss was suddenly purposeful and suddenly we're grateful for that but it means that we can find moments of gratitude in that really challenging place and that practice of sitting with that vulnerability all the time it's it's the recipe for this most unbelievably beautiful life it makes even loss, even sadness, even anxiety, depression, I mean, all the things we go through that are really hard, that vulnerability that we're able to create through that, it makes even those moments really, really, really worthwhile. Somehow it makes it, it makes it all kind of covered in this little dust of, of just magic. I don't know how to explain it. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I have many daily practices that are for my health, mentally, physically, and emotionally. I meditate in the mornings, I practice yoga, I drink green juice. One of the most important things I do for my health every day, though, is brush my teeth. But did you know most of us don't even do it properly? Well, enter Quip. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. It was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Quip ensures you get the best brush with every use. With sensitive sonic vibrations, this toothbrush is gentle enough for all gums. Most people brush too hard, and some electric toothbrushes can be way too abrasive, but Quip has found that perfect balance. To help guide you through a full and even clean, Quip has a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds so you know when to switch sides. Quip makes it easy to bring everywhere in your life too. It comes with a multi-use cover. When you're at home, this mounts to your mirror to declutter your sink and cabinet. But if you're on the go, the cover will protect your bristles, keep them clean, and make traveling with your electric toothbrush way easier. Not to mention, it can last three months on one single charge. 
Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes to be accepted by the American Dental Association, and it has thousands of verified five-star reviews. Try it for yourself, and you'll see. The cleanest mouth comes from Quip. That's why I love Quip and why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash yogagirl right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash yogagirl. So leaving there was really hard for me to leave. It also felt really good to leave because it's heavy and it's light at the same time, and it's healing, and it's also picking at this wound, you know, that I kind of want to leave alone. And what I've done is I I wrote a book about it. <laughs> and that's kind of crazy. <laughs> and I wrote a book about it. I mean, not over the weekend. I've spent the past, I've written this book over the past five years, basically. Intensely wrote a lot of it last year and sitting with the final, final, final pieces of of it now and somehow it's super strange because it's like the story that never ends I was sitting with my editor like how are we gonna you know like the closing of the book the last words and I had this idea that I want to close it with something on motherhood and then now I was like hey you know I'm <laughs> going to San Jose to bury her all of a sudden it's been five years and the story is still ongoing and it was somehow like this weekend it brought that closure in so 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 many ways it's not the closing of everything I feel for her it's not like I'm all of a sudden done or all of a sudden healed you know we never fully heal I really don't think we're supposed to but it brought this sense of like this big exhale it just brought me this big 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 exhale of okay you know I can live with this I can live without her (laughs) hurts to say that But how do I know that it's true? Because I am. That's how I know that it's true. I can live without her. I am. And I also know that I'm I'm not. I also know that she's right here. That she's right here all the time. I mean, the, the night before the ceremony, the night before the, the burial, I dreamt about her. And I haven't dreamt about her in a really long time, maybe a year, really long time. I haven't. And it was this really interesting, super clear dream. We had the night the day before we'd been talking. I have this little leather pouch that she got in Guatemala that I wear all the time. I don't have a lot of leather things. I mean, I'm I'm vegan. It's one of my most cherished things. I'll wear it forever. I love it dearly. And it's made from leather anyway. And I was I've been wearing it for the past yeah month or two months. And in my dream, we were all like we were at a retreat and we were all making notebooks. Uh, her cousin makes really beautiful hand woven notebooks that she makes herself. And we were making them the way she had kind of showed me the day before. And everyone's making them using these kind of recycled paper and these kind of really beautiful prints. And then Andrea's there and she's making her notebook. And then she goes and she grabs this leather casing kind of like the thing I have on my pouch for the cover of the book and I was like yeah like hey like can't use leather are you crazy you know like I'm vegan like put that away she was like no I'm using this and I was like hey like everyone's using recycled paper like use the paper And 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 she turns to me and she was like starting today I do everything my way 
And I and it was so assertive, like it was stern, you know. She was like, starting today, <laughs> después que hoy, yo hago todo como quiero yo. <laughs> like, from today, I do things how I want them. And it was really stern. I was like, okay, yeah, okay, okay. You do, you do it with the leather. And then she sat down and I sat down. And then we continued making our notebooks, you know. And then I think I woke up or the dream ended or, or whatever. And it just also brought me this big feeling of like closure for her, maybe. You know, maybe, I don't know how it works. I mean, obviously none of us does, but maybe for the people who pass, maybe there's some sort of letting go required from the people who love them the most, for their souls to fully release or for their souls to move into the next phase or the next life or whatever comes. But I just had that big feeling of, oh, from today, I do things my way. <laughs> and it was this total, oh, it came with such clarity, with such intensity, with just no confusion anymore. No, like everything is really clear. And that's how I feel after the burial. I feel like, okay, you know, Doing things her way also means me doing things my way and not being held back by this by this intense pain, but maybe being propelled forward by this really overwhelming love. And her way was always love. It was always love. It was always love. Nothing else. Just pure, pure love. Amor infinito. So uh, in closing of this podcast... If you are moving through some sort of loss of, of any kind, I hope I hope these words help you drop into that place of vulnerability, whether or not actually you're you're moving through loss. But if you find yourself with those opportunities to practice it, right? To speak something out loud, even if it makes your voice shake, even if it makes your lips tremble, even if it gives you that feeling of, oh, you know, oh, I'm gonna cry when I say this, or I'm showing another side of myself that's too intimate or it's vulnerable or it's new. If you find yourself with that opportunity or with people that bring that out in you, go see them more often. You know, sit with those people a lot and then practice that. Practice that level of vulnerability in ways that are within your comfort zone so that you can grow with it and take it into challenging places too. And If anything, I think it's a really important part of our healing, super important part of our healing is to share our stories and let them go. And also it might just change our lives a little bit. I'm going to go blow my nose. <laughs> and um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's uh, <laughs> still Looney's birthday today, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pick up my little moon from her nap and go eat some cake and stay this grateful for my life <laughs> so grateful so grateful i will uh, see you next week thank you so much for holding this space and for listening to this week's episode if you enjoyed this episode be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of from the heart conversations with yoga girl you can find them all on yogagirl.com on apple Podcasts, google play or anywhere you normally get your podcasts don't forget to leave a review while you are there thanks to the folks at cadence 13 for their production work and of course thanks to my sponsors transferwise policy genius fabfitfun and quip please support them the way they support this podcast i'll see you next week <laughs>